0: Well, dear congregation, I'd like to turn your very prayerful attention, first of all, to that first reading that I read to you in your hearing there in the book of Joshua, the 20th chapter. It's important that we have our Bibles open and our ears open to these tremendous truths we have before us. The people now settling in the land, in that promised land of Canaan, God promised to bring his people out of Egypt. Joshua now leading, and these cities are now appointed as Moses had said they should be. And I know I've spoken on this subject before, but I think it's always good to address it afresh and to see how Christ is the true refuge of the soul, the true city of refuge. In our prayer meeting this morning... We thought of that little text as we sang there from one of the hymns based on Isaiah chapter 8, how Christ shall be for a sanctuary. We hear today of sanctuary cities. Well, whatever they are and whatever you make of them, they are nothing really to be compared to Christ. We read there from Hebrews chapter 6 how all who are Christians have fled to him for refuge. And I want to point you to the very fact that Christ is that perfect place of refuge, and his people are pictured as a city. We have it in the book of the Revelation. The bride of Christ is a city coming down from heaven, as a bride adorned for her husband. And every one of God's people flee to Christ. For refuge. You know the Bible begins with Adam and Eve in a garden. And it ends with a glorious city. It begins with a tree. A tree of life. And it ends with a tree of life. It begins with just a few people. And Adam and Eve were meant to populate this world. To go forth. To multiply. But you know in Adam what is multiplied? is sinner's. And in Jesus Christ, my friends, will be a number that no man can number, that belong to the eternal city of the living God because of one man, Christ Jesus. By one man, death came into the world, the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 5. Death entered into the world and sin, and sin has spread to all men. By one man, And then he goes on to tell us, by one man, many are made righteous, and that is the Lord Jesus. And these cities that we read of here in Joshua chapter 20, let me say to you, are but a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. We read there how God has sworn by oath and covenant to Abraham, who is father of all of them, that have been given precious faith, he has sworn to give him a people as vast as the sands,
1: the grains of the seashore, out of this world.
0: That's God's promise. And that promise is through Abraham's seed, seed singular, that would come from the loins of Abraham. Come, Abraham. Well, Isaac, Jacob, and we know from Jacob there would be the twelve tribes, and out of that one tribe would come the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And I want, with the Lord's help this evening, to bring to our minds, especially those who know not the Lord. You know, the Bible is the most wonderful book in all of the world. I was saying to our elderly friends In the care home there, how many criticize the Bible, yet they've never read it. But it is the most famous book in all the world. It is the most published book in all the world. It's the oldest book in all the world. And it's a book that has no lies. It speaks truth. And it speaks of the one who is truth. And he, as we thought last Lord's Day, cannot lie.
1: God is not like man that he should lie, and God has
0: promised to send one, as we thought of there in Isaiah chapter eight, to be a sanctuary. You remember reading that this morning, and he shall be for a sanctuary, Jesus Christ. And there, even in Isaiah eight, we read his name is Emmanuel. Oh, Emmanuel, and even in the previous chapter, Isaiah seven fourteen, And a virgin shall be
1: with child, and shall call his
0: name Emmanuel. Being interpreted, God with us. God would be that eternal city of refuge for his people in Jesus Christ. And in that city, that eternal city, Spiritually speaking, there'll be no need of the sun, for Christ will be the light of heaven and glory. There'll be no darkness there, darkness a picture of sin. There'll be no death, but we live in a world of death and decay. And I want to take your mind's eye upon the scene. The children of God, I say the children of God, the children of Israel, not all of them, of course, are the children of God. But these people that have been called out of Egypt, some of them, like Joshua and Caleb, were children of God, born again, born of the Spirit, Moses, and so on. It was declared by Moses, way back, you may wish to turn there, in Numbers 35, verse 9. The Lord spake to Moses, and Moses addresses the people, and of course Joshua is there. And there is a clear command that when they get into the promised land, there are to be appointed six cities, three on each side of the Jordan, a place for refuge for the manslayer. That is somebody who accidentally killed somebody. Because God is a God of justice. And it's not right that an innocent man should die. But Christ, my friends. Is the city of ref- refuge not for innocent people, but for guilty sinners. Numbers 35, 9. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye become over Jordan into the land of Canaan, then ye shall appoint unto you cities to be cities of refuge for you, that their slayer may flee thither, which killeth any person. At unawares, In other words, he was not consciously doing this. It was not premeditated. It was manslaughter. And they shall be unto you cities for refuge from the avenger. That's the avenger of blood, the family. That the manslayer die not until he stand before the congregation in judgment. So in other words, this is a place he can go. When he stands before the judges when he eventually is taken back to his city where he is to be judged and the hearing will be given, then if he is guilty, he must die. God is not excusing sinners here. Let us understand this is a place where somebody has accidentally killed somebody. And we will see an instance of this in a moment, an example given. And of these cities, verse 13, which ye shall give six cities, shall ye have for refuge. Now let me remind you that 6, the numerical number in the bible is always the number of man. God made man in 6 literal days. And on the 7th day he rested. 7 is always symbolic. We have it in the book of the revelation. We're not doing spiritual gymnastics with this, but we are simply asserting what the scripture teaches. 7 typifies perfection, completeness. So there isn't a complete There are six here, and it represents insufficiency, absolute insufficiency. These, ultimately, are not what we are to look for, not in the final sense. They're all pointing to something far greater, as we will see, far greater to come. And remember, this is accidental death of somebody. If you come down to the verse, we read on. Verse 15, these six cities shall be a refuge both for the children of Israel and for the stranger and for the sojourner among them, that everyone that killeth any person unawares accidentally may flee thither. And if he smite him with an instrument of iron so that he die, he is a murderer. That is deliberately, of course, the murderer shall surely be put to death. God is not excusing murder, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. There must be justice in the land. But here, but if, and if he smite him with throwing a stone wherewith he may die, and he die, he's a murderer. So deliberate murder, we call lex telionis, exact retribution, must be exacted upon the person. You kill somebody, it's the death penalty. This is just because it is teaching the sanctity of life. Life is even cheap today. You know, people, we live in a society today where murderers, they spend little time. What is that saying? Little time in the prison. Life doesn't mean much. You can get out and do it again. Now, if you die as a believer, as a murderer, you go to be with the Lord. Of course, you're forgiven. But it's life for life, isn't it? This is what God said to Noah in Genesis chapter 9. After the flood... Remember how wicked the world was in the days of Noah. It grieved the heart of God that he had made man. And it was such a violent, a wicked place. People were mercilessly killing each other. Cain and Abel, we have the very first child that is born as a murderer. And my friends, the Bible says even if we've hated in our hearts, those are the seeds of murder murderous thoughts we've had. We may not have acted it out. But anyway, at any rate, we see, as we read on, there are further passages. Deuteronomy 19, later on, we have further details of these cities of refuge. We notice verse 1 of Deuteronomy 19, when the Lord thy God hath cut off the nations whose land the Lord thy God giveth thee, and thus. "...succeedest them, and dwellest in their cities and in their houses. Thou shalt separate three cities for thee in the midst of thy land, which thy Lord hath given thee to possess. Thou shalt prepare thee away, and divide the coasts of the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to inherit. Three parts, that every slayer may flee thither." Now this is the case of the slayer, "...which shall flee thither, and that he may live. Whosoever killeth his neighbor ignorantly, whom he hated not in time past. So he gives an example here. Notice verse 5, as when a man. Here's an example. You've got this familiar picture of two men cutting down logs, trees, in the woods, and they're working away. And all of a sudden, the axe head flies off the handle. Verse five, and when a man goeth, as when a man goeth into the wood with his neighbour to hew wood, and his hand fetcheth a stroke with the axe to cut down the tree, and the head slippeth from the helve and lighteth upon his neighbour, that he die, he shall flee unto one of those cities, and so on, that the avenger of the blood pursue the slayer, while his heart is hot and overtake him. You can imagine the passion of the family. There's no witnesses. Needed to be two or three eyewitnesses for a crime to be uh, indeed judged upon. But it will be heard in a, in a court by the elders. But now this man can flee to one of the cities. And now it was part of the jobs, you know, one of the work of the Levites. They had to put the signs up. We don't have time to look at it. Put all the signs up pointing to these cities. This is the way. Flee. This is where this city is. This is where that city is. Kyrgyzharba. And you know the Bible is very clear, full of signposts pointing to Christ. Full of them. This is the way. Christ. The Bible is very clear. You don't have to look far. It's full of signposts pointing to Christ. And so this is what this man could do to avoid being slaughtered, being killed by a member of the family. Well, These fatal accidents, they certainly happened. Of course they do. They happen today. People have all kinds of accidents. Now, what we see here is God is just, isn't he? He wants the innocent to go free. There's got to also be, uh, well, so long as there's a high priest in the city, that man can reside there. When the high priest goes, he must go back. We don't have time to look at it. He must go back to his city and face a court hearing, the elders, and so on. But, friends, let me say a few things first of all. According to God's word, sin is sin, and sin must be judged. You see it here, God is not excusing sin. The innocent must go free. It would be injustice, wouldn't it, to execute some sort of punishment on somebody that is innocent, Time is being given. People need to calm down. Let's hear the facts. And so on. Well, in Deuteronomy 19.15, we read, One witness shall not rise up against men, a man, for any iniquity, for any sin, or in any sin, that sinneth. At the mouth of two witnesses, or at the mouth of three witnesses, shall the matter be established. So, it's very clear. Now, what is being established in this passage and i just say this before we come to the gospel this evening is that first of all i want us to all understand god is a god of justice inflexible justice if we don't understand that we will never understand the gospel we will never understand salvation salvation is not getting as it were a second chance Because somebody had to to die. It's not about chance. It's not about giving you a new opportunity because you fail. Sinners fail in their life. They will forever fail. Because we're born not only with a bad record, but with a bad heart. But I must point you to the fact. What we see here is a very gracious provision... For this man who's committed manslaughter, perhaps he was careless. He's not doing this deliberately. He's killed a man. It's a very gracious provision from family wrath, right? But secondly, there's also a personal obligation to honor those who have suffered family loss. Now, we live in, a, in an unjust society, don't we, where criminals go free, Somebody has murdered your child and all of a sudden you hear they're on the street again.
1: That's not right. Now,
0: society today will say, well, prison prison is not to uh, punish somebody. They will say, prison, well, you're there to rehabilitate the person. Now, I have uh, no denial that there aren't some ways of Helping somebody But that is not the reason. It's punitive. Prison is a place of punishment. It's not to be a place of ease. You see these men in prisons today with their axe boxes and drugs being smuggled in, and they've got every t- TV channel that they want, and uh, well they're living it up, they don't even want to get out. And they, they're screaming about their human rights, and they want to vote, and everything else. But that's the world today. It's gone mad. And the people, really, who deserve justice, don't get justice. Not today. It's a wicked world. It's a lawless world, and we're reminded of that. That the world will become increasingly lawless, that men will call evil good, and good evil. That's the world in which we live so what is God saying in all of this as we look at Joshua 20 and as we will think later on? The whole arrangement shows basically two things, that God is just and that the law is just. The innocent must go free, but the guilty must be judged. Now, all of this you see, because there are six cities, and I will show you from the word of God, points to the sublime wisdom of God. Of course, there would be unjust judges. You've got to put that in the equation as well. And there will be people that lie. I never did it, and I'm sure there were people that were guilty that got away scot-free. And I'm sure that there were innocent people put to death. But of course, in the end, every man will stand before God one day. And nothing that is hidden Will not be fully exposed. The Lord Jesus has said it. But thank God, the Christian, you know, though he has sinned, we have not sinned accidentally.
1: We go free. Because one didn't go
0: free. That's the Lord Jesus. Now, this evening I want us to take us to think upon these cities because... They really do point us to Christ. The names are highly significant, extremely significant. God's word is tremendous. The more we dig in the word of God, the more we see the beauty of Christ and the splendor of his person. You can imagine this person, whether guilty or innocent, found something surely just by the name of this place. A place, a sanctuary for rest. But Christ truly, my friends, I want to say this to the lost soul tonight. And I'm sure those of you who are Christians will say yes. And I hope at the end of this service we'll say yes, Christ. Christ, he is my sanctuary. He's everything to me. He's all I want. He's all I desire. He's everything. He's my life. He's my all. I hope you'll be able to say that. By the grace of God. So first of all, you notice these things here. Remember what the Lord Jesus Christ said. He said to the Jews of his day. You remember in John 5, he said, search the scriptures. And then he said, ye think ye have eternal life. And then he added this, but it is they which do testify of me the scriptures all of the scriptures he never said some of them all of them they all speak of him these are not chosen god is by man god has chosen these places god is even giving joshua who was a prophet wisdom to know directed even by moses to these cities long before all determined perfectly arranged around The Jordan in that area. Search the scriptures, said the Lord Jesus. In them you think you have eternal life. The Jews trusted in the scriptures, but they couldn't see, as it were, the real thing in the scriptures. You search the scriptures, in them you think you've got eternal life in the scriptures, but you're not seeing me, he was saying. They speak of me. And we would be as the Greeks that came into the temple. Tonight, I hope we would see Jesus. Would we see him? May we have eyes to see him. You notice the first city in verse 7 is called Kadesh. And they appointed Kadesh in Galilee, in Mount Naphtali. And that word Kadesh means holy. You see, friends, this is how and why only Christ. Of course, these six cities, six is the number of incompleteness. It's the number of man, we're told in the book of the Revelation. Man without God. I've given my understanding of that interpretation. And I believe that is what the scriptures teach. Man Of course, God is Trinity. Man without God the Father. Man without God the Son. And man without God the Holy Spirit. Man is incomplete without one who is holy. Think of this city. The name of the city called Kadesh. The name points us to one who is styled in the Word of God as the Holy One. And it is only because... Christ is holy, that sinners can run to him. Because he who is holy, who knew no sin, the scriptures say, became sin for us. You see, it had to be a holy one
1: that bore the sins of his people. If Christ
0: had one wrong thought in his life, Wrong one breakage of the law. He could never be a substitute for sinners. He couldn't be. The scriptures say he was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. That is who Christ is. And my friend, let me say, look at the religions of this world. Look at all the leaders of them. Look at all the men that have constructed them. Look at all the so-called false prophets. They're unholy men. But he is called the Holy One. The Holy One of Israel. That's what he's called. And he says in Isaiah, I that speak in righteousness. Mighty to save. That is what makes him mighty to save. My friend, if you found one sin in Christ... He couldn't be your savior. He couldn't be the savior of anybody. Pilate, when he saw him, Herod, when he saw him, said, I find no fault in him. False accusers came. False witnesses. He still said, I find no fault. They they knew these men were corrupt, but in his mouth there was no guile. Holy, why? Because he came from heaven. Because he is God the Son. No ordinary man. He is God and man together as one. It's what we call the hypostatic union. God was manifest in the flesh. That's the difference between the NIV and uh, the Authorized. It says he was manifest in the flesh. Well, that's why the Muslims like the to use to a debate against certain people because they say. Uh, well, he. Well, who's the he, they say? Well, the scriptures say God was manifest in the flesh. Christ was holy. He sent his holy son. Now, the second city, we notice there, and Shechem. Shechem means shoulder. You think of God, and you think of Christ as described there in Isaiah. He who was the shepherd shall be. Take the sheep into his arms and then put it on his shoulder and carry it home. Here, this city, a place of refuge, not only one who is holy, but one who cares and who shoulders the burdens of his people, and who says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My friends, he loves his sheep. Peter says, We were as a sheep going astray, and we've returned to the shepherd and bishop of our souls. Remember that parable that the Lord Jesus Christ, what shepherd of you? He said, Having a hundred sheep, having the 99 and loses one, does he not go and look for the one that is lost? and brings it, carrying it on his shoulder, rejoicing. A stray sheep. That's who he saves.
1: That's what Paul was. That's what I was.
0: Lost. I've not come to call the righteous. And you know what? Throughout, let me say, my unsaved friend, throughout the life of a Christian, the Lord continues to be that shoulder of his people. So we read in the Song of Solomon, of the Shulamites, picturing the believer leaning upon her beloved. Through the wilderness of this world, he will, he has said in his word, cast all of your care, says Peter, upon him, for he careth for you. It's a wonderful thing to be
1: a Christian. Wonderful thing.
0: Whatever trials you go through, you're never alone. The man that's fled to this city of refuge, he has some peace now. He knows there's going to be a, I'm talking about the innocent man. There's going to be a day of acquittal for him. The elders are going to meet, he's going to go back to his own city. But friends, we who have sinned deliberately against God, we will never bear our sin. Right never he has cast our sins as far as the east is from the west no more will he remember my transgressions never never and then thirdly we read which is in which is Hebron and Hebron means fellowship they're wonderful My friend, when you're saved, not only do we have peace with God, but we have fellowship with the Father and His Son, says John. We have fellowship with one another. It's wonderful being a Christian. You're brought into the family of God. This is a new place. This this man, he doesn't belong to the city. He's run into it. He's far away from his home city, but he's run into the city. And he... Finds acceptance. And there's a priest who must receive him. And Christ, he must receive me because if I am his, he died for me. He must receive me. He has to receive me. And the Father has to receive me. The Father cannot reject me because he gave the Son for me. To have eternal life. And more than that, to have fellowship with God. A guilty sinner now, brought into the family and fellowship. And as Christians, you know, there's nothing like it on earth to have fellowship with Christians. There's no sweeter thing. That's why we cherish and we prize the Lord's day so much. Because we meet with the brethren. It's a blessed thing. We encourage each other's hearts in the Lord. And we have fellowship. Paul it reminds us of this, and John says the same thing. He says, "If we walk in the light, we have fellowship with Him, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, justified now by faith in His Son." And then we read of the fourth city. notice there, Beza, which means defense. My, to have God as your defense. Why well, the city? No city was impenetrable, not even Jericho. Now, Biza was a strong city. But you know, any
1: city can be overcome. But not heaven. We're told in the book of the Revelation,
0: nothing shall enter in that is defiled. There should be no more death there. And God is our defense. We're told by David, aren't we, in Psalm 59 and the verse 16 and 17, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning, Lord, for thou hast been my defense. You remember what David said? David said this, Although it is not so with my house. David sang this near the end of his life. Although it is not so with my house. Lord, look at my house. Look at Absalom. Look at all these sons of mine, murders. The family's a mess. David's life, his adultery, his murder. Although it is not so with my house. Thou has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered and sure in all things. This is all my hope. And David could say, Thou hast been my defense, and my refuge in the day of my trouble. Unto Thee, O oh, my strength, I will sing, for God is my defense, the God of my mercy. My friends, on the day of judgment, men will be calling for rocks and mountains, we are told, to fall upon them, for the wrath of the Lamb is come. But we who have fled to Christ now for refuge, we will fly to Him on that day. We'll not fly away from Him, but we'll run to Him. We'll run to Him and with thanks and tears of joy and happiness, because God will not cast us away. My unsaved sinner friend, I must warn you that God is just. Look at these, look at these cities. If you were guilty in them, And the priest died. You were then sent back home. And there would be a judgment. And it would be death.
1: But for the lost, it's the second death.
0: No hope. Paul says it is God that justifieth. He says, who shall, who can bring a charge against God's elect for? He says in Romans 8, for Christ has died. Justice has been met. The priest took the punishment. No priest in these cities would take punishment. They couldn't atone for sin. Couldn't even offer a lamb for a man. There's no such thing as that in the law. You couldn't offer an animal. God says in Genesis 9, it's life for life. But his life for my life. For every Christian's life. And he shall be for a sanctuary. Christ is our sanctuary. Is he your sanctuary? If he's not, you have the mighty God to face. But you come as a sinner, you see. He, you come as a guilty sinner. You don't say, oh, I'm innocent. It's different to entering these cities. Entering these cities, you say, well, I'm innocent. Okay, the time will, will prove it. When the sinner flies to Christ, he says, I'm guilty, I'm guilty of every charge, Lord. I don't hide my sins. I hide myself in thee. I hide and I run to Christ and I flee to him. Isaac Watts said it in that hymn, a guilty, weak, and helpless worm. We sang it, into thy kind hands I fall. Be thou my strength and righteousness, my savior and my all. It's the only hope of God's people, Christ. The fifth city. You notice there, Ramoth in Gilead. Ramoth means highly exalted. My friends, read Philippians 2. Read the context. Paul says to the Christian, he says, let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Who being God, and in the very form, became man. Who left heaven. Who left glory. Why? That he might come
1: and suffer as a servant
0: to save his people, and that God would give him a name. That is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow on earth. And we are told the Father has so highly exalted him. And set him now at his right hand. He says, doesn't he, sit now, son. He doesn't say, sit somewhere in the corner of the room there. He says, no, you take the place of honor. Until I make thine enemies thy footstool. God has exalted him. The Father has. Ramoth was an exalted city. Christ, that sanctuary for his people, my friends. There's no greater one to run to than Christ. Because he's God. And only God can save. My sinner friend, don't look to the religions of men. Don't look even to the church. The church can't save you. Rome can't save you. You'll be lost in man's religions. But in Christ,
1: you're safe. The sixth city, Golan, in Bashan.
0: It means captive. You say, well, how do we work that one out? Captive. Well, the person is taken captive. He's brought in. And I suppose it's like this, you know, when God saves you, he brings you in, he takes you captive. The scriptures say, when he led captivity captive, who is he? He's the one who takes us from the one who is the strong man, Satan.
1: If we were slaves of sin, we were lost and dead in Adam. We were
0: blinded by Satan but whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And he doesn't just set you free so that you live for yourself. You become a slave of righteousness now. And he brings you captive, and he'll not let you go. He'll do you good in your life. In Luke 4, verse 18, the Lord said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance from the captives or to the captives. He takes you from the clutches of Satan. My unsaved friend, remember what the Lord Jesus said, he that is not with me is against me. You're a slave of self and Satan and this world. But Christ sets free. And it is my prayer that God, by the power of His Spirit, will liberate you to bring you into His presence to serve Him with joy. Because there's no greater city, there's no greater master, there's no greater Lord to serve. You die in Adam. A lost eternity without any hope all these cities my friends let me say this the priests were appointed by God but this one is appointed by God too after the order of Melchizedek you know that the, the priests could never be kings there was only one Melchizedek Mel, meaning king Zedek, meaning righteousness, king of righteousness, king of Salem. And by the way, Salem is the old name for Jerusalem. The
1: one who met Abraham after the slaughter and brought the bread and the wine to Abraham. But my friends, I'll tell you what
0: he does. He says to his people, come, take eat of me. This is my body, broken for you. This is my blood
1: shed for you. that You might go free.
0: And they delight to do that. To come around the table. And to give thanks for what God has done. He is. As we turn lastly. He shall be for a sanctuary. And Paul says of him. Christ. All who are Christians have fled to him. For refuge. And I said earlier in the beginning of the sermon that Hebrews 6 is perhaps one of the group most un- misunderstood passages of Scripture. But you read verse 9. Paul is writing to Hebrew believers but he says But we are persuaded better things of you things that accompany salvation. And he goes on to say you receive the promise. And Just as Abraham, you receive the promise, you receive the faith, and you receive every blessing from God. And let me say, what God does in grace, he does what he did to Noah. He shut him in the ark.
1: And Noah wasn't getting out. And
0: the one who's in Christ is shut in for time and eternity. In Hebrews chapter 6, we read this. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you. There are those who make a pretense of being a Christian. They seem to have a knowledge. They're like the, I suppose the hearers in that Matthew 13. They hear, hearts are filled with joy for a while. The riches of this world carry them away. The sun comes down. But you see let me say this when Christ saves he produces the new soil that the seed of the word of god is deeply implanted in the soil of the heart and that man grows in the grace and knowledge of god it's a new creation and let me say this the new birth is irreversible you can't reverse it you can't be unborn again it's the work of god and he never lets the sinner go. He says, they shall be mine. Not mine. He says, they shall come to me. All that the Father gives me shall come. They'll come as sinners. they come running to him, who is the city of refuge. This is what Paul says here. Notice, God swearing to Abraham by two immutable things. Verse 18, in which it was impossible for God to lie, that we, that's we who believe might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us which hope we have as an anchor now where's the anchor let me give you an analogy as we close which hope we have as, as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast which entereth in, into that within the veil, where is Christ he is gone, it's so a picture of what Paul is doing The veil in the tabernacle in heaven, Christ has passed through, he says, the heavens, and entered within. And what has he done? He presented himself as an offering for his people. And just as an anchor, where do you put an anchor? You don't leave it on the deck of a ship. You throw it overboard, and it gets down to the bottom of the sea. An anchor is no good in the midst of a storm if it's on the top of a ship is it it's going to get down in the bottom but christ my friends is not on the bottom of the sea he's in heaven he's in heaven as what a high priest that lives he's not dead he's not in the tomb somewhere he's not in the grave the grave could not hold him you look at these cities so long there was a priest there the man could stay in the city and in heaven, there's a high priest that will never die. We're told he has the power of an endless life. And he will save all his people to the uttermost to come unto him. And he will never cast them away. You come as a sinner. You don't come. Try to hide all the sins of your life, my friend. You come and you confess. He who truly repents. We'll find God to be a merciful
1: and a gracious God. Amen. Amen.